0: I'll start us off like Gabby always starts us off. I'll just say go. Okay. <laughs> and you do the intro. Because Gabby's not with us. So I'll just say go. And then you say something. Okay. Okay, go get ready. And go.
1: Okay, guys. This is a horrible fill-in. This is Bubba uh, for Board Game Snobs. Apparently, Gabby could not be here with us. We so sadly miss him. And he's going to be gone just for this episode, hopefully. So, without I further ado, also have... I'm the host this time. He's the host this time. I
0: I am hosting. Yes. Yeah. I've obtained it back. Take that, Lindsay.
1: I feel like I just I'm just standing in. I'm like one of those stand in hosts or something. You you're know the, what I'm you're saying? You're the stand-in I stand in star. Stand in star. Yeah, I'm just standing in. Poor 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 substitute, but I'll do it.
0: Well well Gobby has already done another he's done another small episode with his hero of podcasting. There's some guy that has another podcast that Gobby, like greatly I can't remember which one. It's like all these college guys. These guys grew up, went to, together, went to college together, to did a podcast, and the podcast been going on for like 20 years. Or
1: oh, wow. Oh, they went. They started a, way back when.
0: Well, yeah, like Gabby, like did something with them. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah, But yeah. Uh, he he did a podcast with them and, and with one of them, and uh, he's going to release it. I don't uh, know if okay. he really liked this guy. So he's been busy. And so it's like, if he's going to do his own thing, I'm going to do You're mine. You're
1: going to do one. Oh, man, you know, I don't know if it's going to be good, but we'll give it a try. That's like 20 years ago. That's like Napster years. That's a while. That's a wild. Did you
0: ever use LimeWire?
1: Yes, sir, I did. I used a version of LimeWire before it was Limewire.
0: I used Napster and then got afraid of that because they were suing people. And then I stopped using Napster, got LimeWire and Firefox <laughs> and got a virus. Oh yeah. From like it wrecked not. Yeah, it tore up my computer completely. I think it gave me mono. I mean, it was that level of virus. It wrecked my life. I this episode is is completely off because I'm doing exactly everything different. We're going to have to. I'm drinking tea.
1: Are you Are you serious? I'm drinking whiskey.
0: I'm, okay, well I got you that go. hot cinnamon tea.
1: Oh, okay. Ordered.
0: Oh okay. I went on immediately as soon as you made that. I went online, bought it, and I love it.
1: You know, I left the whole thing of it garbage. You could have had the whole thing. Like, it was a brand new one too.
0: What What's the brand? I can't. Remember uh, it's
1: mind. a Harney and Sons. It's my stuff. Harney and Sons. Harney and Sons. I,
0: yeah. I I looked for the the hot cinnamon, uh-huh. and, and then found what I thought was the tin that you had, and I love it. Like I am all about. What whiskey are you drinking?
1: I'm drinking uh Suntory, I think
0: got so oh, the, the Japanese. Stuff. Yeah, I got the yes, Japanese
1: right. stuff out. Yeah. Yeah, I've been feeling it the last couple of times, so that's what I've been getting. The Tori. It's my thing.
0: I feel like we need to banter because that's <laughs> how this goes. And I don't know. I do have a fact that I was saving to throw at Gobby. It completely blew my mind. Like if, if there's those as the kids would say, this shook me. This shook you. wrecked me. Um <laughs> I was looking up something about speed and distance. I can't remember what it was. Something to do with math. Long story short, I went down this rabbit hole or squirrel hole, actually, because I read this statement that shocked me that squirrels do not take fall damage. And to elaborate on that, squirrels cannot die from falling. What? So, of course, just like completely, this is one of those things I thought was just insanely... This cannot be so because how could this possibly be? So, apparently, a squirrel's terminal velocity. Now, now. Okay. The, the, terminal velocity is not what it sounds like. That's not how fast you get.
1: That's not you know, how you it get dead. dead. Yeah.
0: No, no. Terminal velocity is like when air, yeah, when air resistance and gravity kind of mat, meet, meet up, that's how fast you're going. So, it's like a human's terminal velocity is like 120 to 180 miles an hour. So, like a human. If you were to fall from something, a human would fall for like ten to fifteen seconds, and now you're at terminal velocity, like you're trucking, and you apparently have to be going pretty high. It's like over a thousand feet high.
1: Yeah, to yeah, get going over that ten, fast. yeah, over ten stories, yeah,
0: yeah. You're you're up. Yeah, you're, you're up. way up.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're Superman in it. Yeah.
0: Well, well, a squirrel apparently, because of their fluffy tail and their body and their weight and everything about them, they reach terminal velocity like incredibly fast. And so like a squirrel jumping out of a tree is almost like the same as them like falling from the stratosphere. Oh, they wow. only have a terminal velocity of about 20 something miles an hour. Seriously? Yes. So a squirrel, if you drop a squirrel, if you jumped out of a plane with your pet squirrel and you let him go at the same time, He is going to fall 23 miles an hour. And you're going to fall like 150 miles an hour. You're going to get to the ground way quicker than him. And since squirrels apparently can actually slow to some degree their terminal velocity, they don't die when they hit the ground. It does not matter how high you drop them. Huh. I have never... Yeah.
1: You do realize that I'm going to test this out somehow. I don't know how. I'm going to have to get some darts and... (laughs)
0: Uh, well the math behind this though is amazing if you look up just the the, what's all behind it but they one mathematician said that if you drop a squirrel you'd have to drop a squirrel from 48 miles high for it to die and it would die of starvation (laughs) before it hit the ground I did not know this either squirrels die can die as quickly as twenty four hours from not eating, so they have to eat every day or they'll die. Are minute. you serious? Yeah, I didn't again. So like, I've I've been looking up squirrels, and I've just I'm shocked. I'm shooked.
1: You shook? That's just shook. That's all. That's that's very shaky. I didn't know that about squirrels. That's crazy. I got squirrels all the time. I'm kind of well, scared now. You just
0: know you cannot kill them by falling.
1: Okay, lesson learned.
0: By, by fall. Uh... So that's that's the fun thing that I was gonna yeah
1: Though I would uh, Gabby. If, see, if I was Gabby, I would have a, some kind of squirrel pun there. But I, I, I I'm I'm not a pun guy, so I don't know. I can't do that. Squirrelish. I don't know. See, see, can't do puns with squirrels.
0: That that sounds nuts. <laughs> that sounds uh, nuts. See, there you go. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, this would be the point to where we would do a listener email. Hang on a second. I actually we do have an email how many this is unf- how many emails are say? y'all getting how
1: many emails are y'all getting like per week now
0: Oh we get a we tend to get a couple each week at the very least. It depends on when we if I say something if we get into a fight or have something <laughs> something go on that's really heated, we get tons of emails. Uh, if we just have a regular episode, somebody will send us an email saying, "Hey, we enjoyed the episode," or something. You know, they'll somebody. I guarantee you, somebody will listen to this email and email me something about a squirrel.
1: I, I feel like we need, I, I feel like we need to do a t-shirts with certain t- subject matters on them, and then put Team Gobby or 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 Team Jerry. That's what I feel like.
0: I, I, it's not a competition to me. I don't care that everybody <laughs> loves Gabby. I, I care more about being right. Them being loved. Them being loved. I got you. I got you. (laughs) This email is unfortunate because we weren't going to do an episode this week because we're all recovering from the quintessential episode.
1: Yeah, that was a big episode. Uh,
0: That was a huge episode. And we got this email from Christy. And I'm going to apologize and then we're going to have to do... We will do this again at our next episode because I don't know. We'll have to read this email again. Because essentially... Christy writes, my name is Christy, and I'm Tyler from Chicagoland's wife. And she brings up that like oh. he's about to turn. He is turning 30 this uh, week, mm. the week that we're not having an actual podcast. And so she says she wanted to do something special. Board Game Snod one of his favorite podcasts. I thought, why not ask you guys to give him a shout-out? Turning blah, 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 30, huh? Yeah. Type thing. And he said, yeah. So see, Tyler, wait a second. I'm, I have I have messed up the email. Hang on. Because I can't see it. She sent a, She attached a very large photograph. Hang on. Oh, yeah. His wife loves him and his daughter, Nora. We are so thankful for all his hard work and everything he does. Oh, and she sent us pictures of him. And... No, that's a dog. Hang, no, they sent a picture of the dog. I was... Oh, no, 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 no. Really. They, the picture blew up on my email. And so I couldn't... Hang on. So Tyler has... Me and him have the same glasses... And or haircut. Oh,
1: wow. Is
0: and from- we suffer We suffer from the same thing. Is he from uh, Oklahoma? Is he from Oklahoma? Well, he's, I don't know. Originally? Ha- I, he has the the beard is red. Like he's got that Irish thing I've got going on where my facial hair comes in red, but my hair doesn't match. He has a very strong beard. Mm. He has mm. a very like, which puzzles me. Like at what point do you decide that your beard is long or thick enough? Like, when do you go, I'm good?
1: I, I don't know. Like whenever. When, when do people decide their beard, their beard is an entity? Like, you have to groom it and take care of it. Like, how big is too big? How much is too much?
0: With me, about two weeks in, it starts itching, and then that's where I feel like it's no longer just, it's now a beard. Yeah. It's itching me.
1: Yeah. So, I've never grown a beard. I've not, I i don't grow it that fast, but I cannot stand cannot stand the itching i just can't do it it just drives me crazy so i'm yeah maybe that's what a beard is a testament to your endurance of you know handling the itchiness i don't know it's crazy
0: you have to be it requires a certain level how do i afford an email
1: this sounds so weird i don't know how to use and by Uh, the way when you say irish and redhead and beard i think of a, a a leprechaun that has a beard i know that's not right and i know that's that's you know culturally insensitive don't mean to do that, but anytime somebody says Irish and redhead and beard, I think of a. Does leprechauns have beards? Now that's that I think a good about question. it. Does the Lucky Charms guy have a beard? See, that's just wrong. <laughs> I shouldn't even see. I shouldn't even think about that. Does he? I don't no. know. He, d- d- he does, doesn't he?
0: No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Uh, okay. I sent you that email. Okay, I sent you, I forwarded you the picture so did you let can me see at, it? I think I think I sent you the right email.
1: All right, let me look at You've it.
0: You've got so many emails. You got the Hotmail one and you got this other one and you got so many. Why do you have so many emails?
1: Man, you never know. Anonymity, man. Anonymity. Some vibes you got to Oh, wait. No, you didn't you sent it to the Hotmail. One. Nope, you I, didn't. I,
0: I I I sent it to the Hotmail. One. Okay.
1: All right. I got it. It's coming up.
0: Oh, he got a picture of his baby too and the baby likes llamas. Um <laughs> I remember when I, I will, turned
1: 30. That's cool.
0: Yeah, it's sad to be that old. I know. We this is us all downhill from
1: there. I know. I used to think it was all downhill from 25, and then I turned 30, and I was like, nope, it's definitely 30. Definitely 30.
0: Ba- <laughs> the, each child kind of has, like, when you have kids, each child, like, has an animal. Like, I don't know. Like, they really like, like, my little girl, she had, like, dogs. And Jack, little boy, he's always with, like, bears was always his thing. Well, apparently Nora likes llamas. A uh, llama?
1: Yeah, I she's a-, a llama girl. That's cool. I got the picture now. Yeah, that's super cute.
0: I am a alpaca man myself. <laughs> there is a difference.
1: Uh, can, can I? Can I? Is sheep related to being a llama? Uh I'm a sheep guy. What's that's a good question. See, I'm, I'm asking a lot of good questions. I don't know the answer to them. Well, that's
0: what is. Re- I mean, really. I'm trying to look that up. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about llamas as a whole. Uh,
1: aren't they like Aren't to... they like nasty? Like they're not. You know what I'm saying? They're like chickens, right? I mean, they spit. They spit. I know. Yeah, they spit. But they're kind of like not clean either, right?
0: Well, no, because see, like llamas have some like weird fur, whereas apacas, they have like a they have like a fleece. I guess is the term I'm looking for. And like llamas are calmer than alpacas. Like I think down in Oklahoma, they, they they will put alpacas out with cattle, uh, to protect the like the calves from coyotes. I oh, think. Oh, okay. If I'm not like They kick. Okay. Or something.
1: Apparently, they're I social. Ca- the social animals. Apparently, didn't know that.
0: I am. I am out of my this. I don't know why this went. All we were supposed to say is Tyler Chicago land. Ty, Chicago from Tyler land is Tyler. He's got older, and his wife his wife loves you, and yeah, for real on
1: the
0: next <laughs> yeah. Because I know we uh, butchered it. Was, okay, we, we got sidetracked. We but did. He has it. Tyler has the same glasses I do. He does the same haircut almost. He does, and we have the same red beard problem.
1: I would like to know his lineage because somewhere in there, there's an intersection between you and he.
0: Tyler, please send us your 23andMe profile. <laughs> we right. might be related. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is awful. I don't know why I went down this route. That's all right. Um,
1: no, I like Nora. She said, "Oh, she says Nora is disgruntled. Like she's a disgruntled employee, but she's a disgruntled baby. That's cool. That's nice. I like that. I don't have kids. So I pre I can appreciate that.
0: Let's see. We've done the email listeners. We've done banter. We're always talk about something on Facebook that or Twitter or something that's come. Oh, now. Okay, so I I've, I've, I'll just go ahead and say this right now. There is apparently were comments made about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the Kevin Costner movies from the '90s. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah,
1: yeah, right? yeah. Of course, yeah.
0: Okay, the titular, the quintessential action movie of the '90s. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Kev- action movie slash drama.
1: Yeah, started Kevin in on his whole ideal of everything in the past. Go ahead.
0: Oh well, well yeah, Kevin was it. There was no one better than Kevin. Yeah, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Costner, Christian Slater, Alan Rickman, uh, Patrick Stewart, even come in cameoed. Uh, Mary Elizabeth, um, oh, the lady from the abyss.
1: Uh, you know the abyss? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, you know me. I suck she with names. Like in, I know you're talking about. It, yeah,
0: she was like in nothing but like Robin Hood and the abyss, and the abyss is amazing. Uh, R.I.P. Alan Rickman. Uh, anyways, so apparently. A Mike DeLizio made some comments regarding Prince of Thieves not being a good movie, um, which has now caused me to change uh, my stance on Mike DeLizio completely. I feel like Dan Hughes is, of course, the star of the Sporadically Bored podcast. I am now pro Dan.
1: You pro Dan, you switch sides. I am pro,
0: I am, I am pro Dan. Um, <laughs> it really, not that I was ever anti Dan, I was ambivalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was Dan Bivalent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now Mike has, he, he who shall not be named. Uh, at the fact that he struck out against one of the, the, the titular movies of the nineties, a show that will be studied by filmmakers for eons of how could this show be so cheesy, yet so serious, funny, dramatic, action, romance, the whole nine yards. I, I just, I don't even know where to go with it. I mean, it's just, it's just shocking. I watched it here just recently and thought there's, if you had to show somebody what movies were like in the 90s, what would you want? Well, here's, here's a VHS tape. There you go. Of of Kevin Costner. And at the end of the VHS tape, you know what was on it? A music video. That's right. Everything I do,
1: <laughs> I do it for you. And that was like the song, wasn't it? That's Brian McKnight. Wasn't yeah, that's Brian McKnight. Yep, that was, that was it. That was song, bro. That song. I mean, it made tons of money. I mean, it to made tons and tons of money, like tons of money at the time.
0: Oh yeah, Morgan Freeman. He always looks old and Everything he's in.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, he got to a certain age, and that's just how he looks. Period. That's, just,
0: that's him now.
1: That's him. You know, I think uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey's gonna do the same thing. Not not to switch subjects, but those are actors, like once they get to a certain age, they just look that way permanently. That's Kevin Costner. Boom.
0: Matthew has Matthew has held his own.
1: Matthew has held his own for a long time. Yes. He's held his own. He's held his own. Uh,
0: I don't I don't anticipate actors that haven't held their own such as boy, you know who who I saw here the other day was John Travolta. Oh yeah, he's
1: he's a little different.
0: He he changed. Yeah. He changed. That. And it was just not I don't know how I feel about him anymore, really. <laughs>
1: Well, but you're not judging him on his looks. You're not making that solely based on the fact that he has looks. Cause that would be, you know, ages of my day. Well,
0: no, that, that, well, no, that pe- that's a big pet peeve of mine where it's like, I hate when I, like, I have Yahoo as my home page. Like, when I turn on the internet, because I do <laughs> <It's> the internet <laughs> of things, on
1: internet. turn on the internet. Uh,
0: when I go to my, when I click Google Chrome, because I got rid of Firefox, I'm a Chrome guy now. Uh-huh. Uh, R.I.P. Windows Explorer. <laughs> um. <laughs> When I turn that on, it like goes to Yahoo because I like the fact that Yahoo was like the first my first homepage, and it always has these celebrity news, and I absolutely hate it when they're like, "Look at so and so, they've posted a bikini pic," or "Look at," it's always like, "Look at this celebrity, look how they look." Yes, either they look bad or they look good. I don't know. Leave those people alone. I don't. I don't care what Elizabeth Hurley looks like anymore. Yeah. I, She's I don't, 50 years old. There you go. Leave her alone. Leave
1: her alone. Yep. Yeah, I get the same thing, man. It's like, why do I want to know that now? Why? Oh, that's good. Yeah. I,
0: I, it just bothers me. It's like, I don't want to be, I, I would not want to have somebody go, you know, I'm 50 years old. and like, look how he's changed. Like, leave
1: him alone. Leave alone. Have you had the thing where they tell you about people you have no idea who they are? Like, oh, this person is whatever age, and they're in a, this bikini. And it's like, I have no idea who that even is. Apparently somebody, but I don't know who it is. But I'm supposed to click on it. I have no idea who these people are.
0: I have never looked at Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I have never sought out Kim Kardashian. I didn't know there were more than one Kardashian. Oh, but yeah. Yet, there's always one that's posted something, and they want me to look at it. And I refuse because I do not care. I don't, I mean, there's a few, the last celebrity that I looked up was because of the Top Gun movie, the new one that's coming out. Oh, yeah. It unfortunately got delayed. I don't know when it's coming out. Jennifer Conley's in it. Yeah. Back in the day, I honestly felt that Jennifer Conley was the most beautiful woman alive. The the late 80s, 90s, that era, all up through that, Jennifer Conley, that was it. And she's in it. And I thought, what does Jennifer, she's like in the trailer of Top Gun. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I've never, she have not seen Jennifer Conlin in a long time. I looked up Jennifer Conley. She looks nice. That's, I mean, it's like, okay, she's <laughs> aged very well. She looks this nice. Is, this is, that is good. Like, I am pleased. If you had to find an actress, because Tom Cruise is like, I don't know what he's doing. He's sleeping in a, he doesn't age. Or they they CGI yeah. him. Something's and happening, like, yeah. Who can we find that can like step with with Tom Cruise? Well, apparently it's Jennifer Connelly because whatever he's doing, she's doing the same. They just don't age; they look like kind of like what they did back then, and that's it. Now,
1: that, if, oh, the Beautiful pop- Mind woman. She played in Beautiful Mind. She was Russell Crowe. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, this yeah, yeah. Beautiful I got you.
0: Mind. Okay, yeah. That, this, it, this, it, this, it confused this is Jennifer me. Connelly.
1: Okay, Jennifer yeah. Jennifer yeah.
0: Connolly's a great actress. It's like, do you need somebody who can? She doesn't have a whole lot of range. Like she always has that blank stare of like she's thinking deeply about something. But then you're afraid to ask her, like, what are you thinking about? And she's like, uh, I just, you know, did you know that squirrels can't die from falling? You know, something like that. You never really, you don't, you never really find out. But anyways, but even still, if Yahoo said, hey, look at Jennifer Conley," I'm going to say no. I, I don't care. That's just me. That's a that's a pet peeve.
1: No, well, why? Are well, I think they have millions. I did not know. I did not know. If you combine, this is a fact that's kind of depressed me because I was doing something for a person, but they were talking about Instagram followers and like how big a deal that is. Do you know that like Kardashians, like as a group, have more than any other? Like, like they are killing it. Like Dwayne Johnson has a lot. Apparently, The Rock has a lot. Didn't I know that? Like he's like the highest ever. Didn't know that. Had no idea about that. More than presidents. Didn't know that. It's crazy. I don't know how you get that way because they're not giving you – they're just giving you pictures of them. I don't understand that, but that's just me.
0: I, I, yeah, at what point is – and I don't use Instagram a lot. Like, I post pictures on our Instagram occasionally. I do not scroll through Instagram at all. I don't understand why. I don't know who I would want to see pictures of. Like, who – Why? I, I, I like I'm interested in seeing your picture if you've sent me an email and I want to know what you look like. Like we did those voicemails from the listeners. Yeah. Like, I want to know what your voice sounds yeah. like. Oh, you look like this. You don't look like you sound or I uh, not, you're exactly how, that type thing. You, you're exactly how I pictured you. I like that. That's entertaining. But I don't want to go show me your face every time I log. I push this app. I want to see you. I, I just don't understand that. I don't have family members. That I want to see every day. <laughs> That's true. Much less pictures of them. If That's you have kids, kids, pictures of your kids don't get old. There's nothing worse than being a single person or having a, being a person that doesn't have children and people coming up and showing the, you pictures of their kids unsolicited. And that changes the moment you have a kid. <laughs> when you have a child, that instantly becomes a thing of like, let me show you my pictures of my kids. Now, okay, I'll show you mine. And you're interested. It's like, I don't know why that is. It's like, what are your kids doing? Well, my kids are doing this. And I don't care about what your kids are doing. But now that I have kids, I kind of do. Man, I now kids. I
1: kind of do. I think has you- he
0: had his tonsils out yet? I mean, it's like, has he had this? And you like, you get concerned. I don't know what happens.
1: Well, I think you start comparing. Like, you want to make sure that, like, what you're going through and what your kids are going through is normal compared to other kids and what they're going through. So, my brothers did that. They had no children. Didn't care about children. Just not a children bone in their body. And then they had children. And suddenly, they care about all kinds of things. My brother... Got him. He gets emotional on other people's kids now. And he's like one of those guys that never cried, but he had two girls and it just changed who he was as a person. And now he cries at other people's babies when they go through. It's crazy, man.
0: It's crazy. I, I had, I had somebody I work with, like their son have an asthma, a really bad asthma attack, like hospitalized. And I was worried. Yeah. For like after that, they're like going to get him tested and so forth. And I'm like, thinking oh he's got his appointment in a couple of i'm thinking yep. about this i'm yep. looking stuff up my kids don't have asthma i am worried <laughs> for another person's child whom i have never met that's true i don't know this kid yep. but i'm like oh, well asthma and what could else could it be and that's a thing that like it switches like you share the anxiety of uh, i don't know of other parents i guess all right That's <laughs> i i am Hang on. We've got to... Let's move on because we've been talking. We, we have bantered longer Oh, yeah. What I proposed purported to okay. banter for. Bobby yeah. okay. would be jealous. Just, just
1: part... You can pare it down. You can pare it down. It'll be all right. We'll
0: pare it down. I'll edit some of this out and save this for later. I'll just splice you into some that, of our...
1: There you go. A random uh, throughout, yeah.
0: Randomly. So, uh, man, I don't know where to go with this. This has been an episode that I've been wanting to record for some time and haven't gotten around to it. So, first off, let me start off. For two things, one, I think some people know that April is Autism Awareness Month, and I hate the term awareness. I hate when there's these commercials where they're raising awareness about stuff, and yet here I am participating in some weirdness. But I'm not. It's not the, from so much of the standpoint of awareness, but some from the standpoints of like proactive things. And so we're going to talk about basically autism, what it is, and how it affects board gaming groups. Uh, and so that's, that's one thing that brings it up. The second thing that brings it up is, well, this is, this is Dan Hughes and Ben Maddox's fault. I can I, I can't remember how long ago it's been and I can't even find, I dug for it. I can't find it, but Ben Maddox was talking to Dan Hughes. I think it was on Ben Maddox's, uh, podcast. Dan was relaying this time where he was in, kind of in charge of a board game group. And there was one disruptive individual, and he had that basically kick the person out. Banished him. Yeah. And mm. he was talking about how traumatic that was for him, A, for him to do that, have to deal with that, but to the person. And that just dove into my brain a little bit and got to thinking about people interacting within board game groups and how really board gaming is an interesting hobby because it really does your enjoyment does kind of come from who you're with. Yep. And that can be ruined by who you're with. True. And if you're in a large group and you've got people that kind of are disruptive, how hard that can be. And you not just disruptive. You have people with different personalities, issues, anxiety, what whatever. That got me thinking hmm. in terms of there being, well, I'll, I'll delve into this a little bit further. But first off, let me apologize because I, number one, first off, let me back up here and say, I, I'm autistic. My daughter's autistic. Uh, and I am going to try to delve into some of the nuances of this.
1: Never would know you're autistic, Jim.
0: uh, Thank you for that. Uh, (laughs) 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 that, Yes, That was Um, a compliment. (laughs) Yes, yes. So uh, so I'll apologize ahead of time because, one, we're going to be talking about language and terminology, uh, that a lot of people who are autistic – uh, there has been some drama, and not drama, I don't want to use the term drama because that can be like used in pejorative, but there are people who take offense at certain uh, terms. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to avoid that, try to explain that a little bit. I will mess up. Send your hate mail to boardgamestobs <laughs> at gmail.com. And so, and well, secondly, trash bin. Yeah, no, I like reading hate mail. <laughs> I, I do. I like it when someone re- sends me an email and says, you're wrong about something. And then it makes me think about, am I truly wrong? And then when I prove to myself I'm right again, I'm just entrenched further. Uh, mainly also that this number one, I'm not offended by any of this terms or if somebody's Bubba knows, nothing offends me um, except, you know, people
1: not liking Kevin Costner. That's right. That's right. You got your a line somewhere.
0: And I've drawn that line very <laughs> thoroughly. <laughs> I am against all those who do not like Kevin Costner. So, so first off, what is autism, or what is commonly now known as the as ASD, the autism spectrum disorder? Uh, it's a developmental, I think you can call it neurological mm-hmm. uh, disorder that is all encompassing. So, it, it is something that affects really all aspects of of a person's life that has it. So, not just in terms of their personality and their experiences but also some people have even called it a relationship disorder even though i don't know if that's exactly correct because how it affects your relationship with others and developing them so th- there's a lot of a l- lot of nuances with autism there's a very famous saying about it uh, that if you've met an autistic person you've met one autistic person basically meaning that each one is an individual. Each yeah. one has. It's it's different. Yeah, it's so, so just range. because it's so wide ranged, and just because somebody who might have autism doesn't mean they always have all these specific traits or mm-hmm. issues. True. Hence the the spectrum, and we'll touch about that here in a little bit. But the neurological part of autism does it, it, it can affect. The sensory input of smells, tastes, sounds, a, a bunch of various issues of the person's life, and it's also like I said in terms of it being a, d- a developmental uh, disorder, or or again, I, I hate using the term <laughs> disorder because yeah, yeah. a lot of people a lot of people don't like it. A lot it, of yeah. people. Well, and and true, the stance a lot of people have it's not it's not something that's like a handicap. Some people yeah. feel like
1: it's just just different.
0: A, It's different. What's the term? There's a term that somebody used that I really liked. A variation on the norm.
1: Variation on the norm. Okay. All right.
0: I I don't know why I like that term. And we'll break this down. And that's why I apologized ahead of time. Because, again, none of this stuff, this terminology offends me. But I'm going to step on somebody's toes using it improperly. So I have, again, very open to correct myself. Uh, But essentially, there are a lot of issues that can arise from being autistic or an autistic person. And we'll touch on that type of language and what it means and just how that can affect their everyday life. And a lot Mm -hmm. of that does deal with uh, your interactions with people. And so the first part I was going to bring up there was just what I just said where I discussed uh, an autistic person or a person with autism. There's a currently some, I don't even know where to go with that. I don't know exactly how to explain it. There is a, there is a, what they call identity first language. So a lot of people in the autistic community prefer to be identity, they prefer identity first language, meaning that they're autistic. I'm autistic, that type of thing. Instead of saying a person with autism.
1: Yeah. If it, there's a difference. In other words, I don't want to be defined by quote unquote this disorder, but I am I, I want to be defined by who I am first as a person who has this, who has autism or who's on the spectrum. That's it up.
0: Uh, yeah. So, so like they brought out before, like when they've done like polls is that people who are autistic, they prefer to be called autistic people, yeah. but caregivers and professionals and clinical people will refer to them sometimes as people with autism. So that, that kind of, oh okay, I got you. So the language is there's some, that, so that first person language that recognizes the person as a person, not just somebody who happens to have a disorder. So it's like your your identity first. You're an autistic person. Um, yeah, I got you're you. You're not okay. a person who happens to have autism. That right there has been something that in the autistic community a lot of people have gotten pretty upset about in terms of the terminology. So just mind and I myself will make this mistake hundreds of times because it doesn't I, I it doesn't particularly bother me whether the terminology. If someone says I'm autistic or a person with autism, so I don't, I don't particularly. That's why it, it's something that's not important to me, so I don't think awful lot about. Yeah, it. So yeah. thus, it's hard for me to have to be sure to make sure I'm wording stuff correctly. So again, I'm going to mess this up throughout the entirety of the
1: podcast. That's okay. <laughs> I like. And, I, I think yeah. you. I think you said that like a like at least a dozen times.
0: <laughs> I know. So I, I, well, I know because there's if there's any yeah, there you go. There's that. So the language of it, number one. And so, number two, and I say issues, I mean, when they say that they're on the spectrum, a spectrum is not so much a line.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, if you're over here, further down the line, the worse off you are type thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also language regarding uh, what used to be referred to as Asperger's, mm-hmm. uh, which I often mispronounce. They would refer to that as high-functioning autism. Well, yeah. so that's type of language has all been done away with because one... The, the DSM recategorized autism but also this term high functioning what, what does that
1: yeah what is that to? what they refer to yeah yeah, yeah is what, it what's your baseline? To hold yeah. Out a job yeah. yeah
0: yeah types of functionality and again this is stuff that people easily make this mistake and even I myself when you when you try to describe somebody who is autistic you might use that terminology of like they're very high functioning or again there are people who take offense at, at people saying you, we wouldn't know you were autistic or you don't look autistic or things of that nature. Mm-hmm. That idea that that might be, not not saying that you don't believe them, but not quite understanding some of the issues that they might be going through. So it, this is a sticky situation. And so you could see how people who interact a lot with autistic people, how they can easily step on somebody's toes with that. So that's, that's neither here nor, nor there, the best case scenario. And this is, of course, to ask when, whenever you're having interactions with anybody who has autism or is an autistic person. See, I just did it. Uh, to kind of make sure, clarify <laughs> what type of language makes them comfortable. Yeah. Now so they, there's that. So so it's
1: everybody. I don't know what the consensus is. And now they refer to it as levels, right? Same way they do it bipolar disorder and all these other things. Like levels of this.
0: Well, yeah, like ASD 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. And this is where you got to kind of be careful with that. But the ASD 1, 2, and 3 is the DSM diagnosis. Essentially, that refers to how much, uh, I believe, accommodations or assistance oh, okay. that person might need. Oh, okay. And also, it, like I said, it's hard to kind of – it's it's hard to get around that because the five areas that tend to – and these are very broad – that tend to affect people, um, people with autism or autistic people. I'm just going to start. <laughs> You're just going to have to keep sending your hate <laughs> Language, motor, perception, sensory, and the fifth. I always forget, which is why I forget it, because it's the thing I forget, because it's something I'm pouring in. Executive function. All right. Executive function. So you think you so pour in
1: executive function?
0: I am uh, not as bad as I used to. used to be. I have improved greatly. But executive function tends to be where a lot of have issues. Now, executive function is like planning self-control working memory or organizational skills mm-hmm. and, and things of that nature or adaptive thinking and so a lot of uh certain types of um, organizational skills like like for instance you 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 are a highly you, you have excellent executive function
1: at times um, at times at times <laughs> and so
0: and it's it doesn't help that a lot of a lot of uh, comorbidities come along with autism such as adhd or dyslexia yeah, exactly. and so that that does not help but executive function really y- you could see how that can be just just being ha- being somewhere on the spectrum where that is a deficit for you executive function affects the entirety of your life so mm-hmm. you could be very disorganized and uh, unable to really control a lot of emotions uh it, it in connection with, with any type of criticism or things of that nature or pressure, how that can affect working memory and all that. So executive function is kind of one of those things that uh, ties into, like, your motivation, getting things done, doing things correctly, organizing your thoughts, which I have absolutely no problem doing, as everybody can tell. Uh, that, that type of thing. That's one of the areas that autism really affects. And so it, it, it even can tie into, like, certain learning disabilities of dyslexia, like I mentioned earlier, dyscalculia. Um, so, yeah, dyspraxia. There's 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 a lot of things. Uh, a lot of people, when they think of autism, they might think of people with sensory issues or language issues, the other two. Uh-huh. Uh, you think of a lot with, with kids that don't talk a lot, which, again, autism tends to be prevalent in about 1 in 50 to 60 boys and about, uh, I think it's like 1 in 200 girls. And so, with kids, it, it's far more prevalent in boys and easier to kind of kind of see some of the the traits in boys. It, it actually tends to be harder uh, to diagnose in girls, and it's often been overlooked. Sadly, it's it's one of those I didn't know that. areas that oh yeah, it's it's don't, uh, that is a completely another talk. I won't get off on that tangent, but yes, it is. It's something that's uh, very difficult to diagnose in girls, and, and unfortunately, they've overlooked it. They have not shown it to be – they've not given it the attention that it needs uh, of women out there that are now grown adults uh, because they were not diagnosed at a young age and given any type of support or accommodations or or just really understanding about what it is and how to deal with it. So there's that. Hmm. Um, There's also a lot of issues with motor and perception, motor skills being exactly what it sounds like, their physical ability to do things or their coordination, or their perception being uh, basically reading the room, perceiving people's facial gestures and tonal
1: tones mm-hmm. of voice. Yep. Uh,
0: picking up on sarcasm. That is, Gabi has often dropped <laughs> at me about how I take things literal. Well, that, that, well, tends, it, to that tends to be a thing. That tends to be a thing, yes, of course. Yeah. Not, not, not only just empathy is, is one, being empathetic towards other people doesn't mean that they don't have empathy people who are autistic people have a lot of empathy it, it sometimes it comes in terms of sympathy or having to relate experiences that they themselves ha- have had to understand what you're going through
1: yeah it's, yeah it's hard to relate yeah
0: and sometimes showing that is a big issue because of the sensory issues of being able to you know a lot of a, a lot of autistic uh, people or people with autism enjoy their personal space and so that's that's you know, don't don't hug them type thing. And, but then some have less issues with that, and they actually invade other people's private space. They, they they get up into they get up too close or stand too close. They have issues with that. Also, uh, a very narrow interest in things. They tend to be very hyper some hyper focused on certain special interests. I just and I, I have to bring this out. I just watched a, a documentary on Netflix uh, about the Rubik's Cube. It's uh, uh. it called speed speed cubers?
1: Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen. I haven't seen that show, but I've seen them.
0: Yes, uh, very interesting because one of the one of the boys in there is autistic, and of course, they felt like he was, you know, extremely impaired in a lot of ways. But yet, you know, breaking every world record with with Rubik's cubes, and so y- you can kind of see how this particular individual might not have great language skills or have in- issues with sensory. Or perception, but this guy's motor skills, his muscle yeah. memory is off the charts. charts, yeah. And his ability to memorize his working not not, I, I don't think it would be working memory. I, I get that confused, but his ability to understand algorithms and to apply them visually. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about somebody who is
1: top uh, notch,
0: literally the best in the world. Yeah,
1: top notch at it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, again, autistic people will have th- this ability sometimes to hyper focus on something and get really, really good at it. So,
1: which is not like a which is not like a Rain Man thing. That's just a hyper focus thing.
0: Yeah, Rain Man was kind. Of, yeah, so Rain. Yeah,
1: there's there's because a lot of people get that confused.
0: There are problematic depictions of autism in just about every um, in 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 shows. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know, uh, for instance, a very uh, somebody that I'd like to point out who who has autism or who is autistic, whatever he wants to go by is Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is a phenomenal actor, and he was diagnosed much later on in life. And he is somebody that, of course, on that spectrum, he may not have. Nobody's going to say that he doesn't have good language skills. <laughs> or, you know, yeah, like, boom. can you imagine? I mean, a- Anthony Hopkins is an amazing speaker. Oh, yeah. But part of what he does is examine what you want. You know, be able to break down this character and figure out how am I going to display this and mimic? I mean, basically, be able to mimic what this person is. So you could kind of see what when we're talking about spectrum, somebody can be great in one area, horrible in the other, and not necessarily somebody that you would ever assume that was would autistic, be, quote unquote, Autist- autistic or yeah. handicapped uh, or, or whatever any, or disorder to or anybody. It. Yeah, right. So there's so there's that. So why are we rambling on about this connection with board <laughs> gaming? Well, it's because more and more, of course, when you think about how many people with autism, autistic people, uh, there are and how they are interacting in the community. A lot of them are attracted to board games mm-hmm. for many reasons. One being the controlled environment, uh, the, being able to socialize with people in a controlled space to know that we're gonna sit down and do this thing together. The slight bit of competition, the little bit of, of understanding that comes from a board game, like we're all gonna take this serious, we're all gonna to try to win, or, you know, that that type thing.
1: Yeah, you are have a common goal. Yep.
0: Yeah, you have a common goal type. And I mean there's a lot of areas about board gaming that not only ties into like sensory, like it's not just video games where you're just getting visual input, but you're actually having tactile you know, you're you're touching stuff. You're moving stuff around. You're around the room. There's a lot that's attractive to people with autism or autistic people yeah. uh, in board gaming. Some and also some autistic people have OCD, and once they get something in their head, they repeat it constantly. It sticks constantly in. It sticks can, in, and cannot cannot stop themselves from saying it. There's yep. a nice little tick. There have been numerous board game groups and forums here that I have stumbled upon that this has been brought up about some of the trials and tribulations that face people of this nature and what they have to deal with and some of the problems that arise from being in board gaming groups and it's it's one of those things that personally and I wish Gobby was here Gobby kind of knows that I'm a disruptive person <laughs> to, a, to a small degree, uh, and that has come through sometimes on the podcast. Yeah, but you can and build.
1: You can normally build on your disruptions. That's always a good you thing. Can,
0: I build on my disruptions very well, but I have to, or people will just assume exactly that this is this this is person's a jerk. Which that might be true, <laughs> just because you're an aut- autistic or autistic person does not mean that you're not a horrible person as well (laughs) so there's that that's possible uh but just having somebody in your board game group who has these traits who's on the spectrum and even that type of language on the spectrum is not necessarily acceptable to some because it implies like
1: you're what's the new phrase who you are uh neurodiverse i think they're using it now
0: that's the term that i use the most is neurodiverse or neurotypical it, even some people take issue with that but neurodiverse is basically saying oh you're somewhere on the spectrum there's somewhere, something going on and neurotypical is
1: the you like everybody, everybody else, else. you like everybody, everybody else, else. Yeah. so
0: you don't and also oh and I'll, I I am so proud of myself I have not used the term normal during this podcast because <laughs> that is also highly offensive and yeah. I I I do that sometimes but when I refer to neurodiverse neurotypical that's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying uh, that we're just talking about people who have autism are autistic people. The idea of having somebody in your board gaming group mm-hmm. that has autism and some of the things that they do that a little inc- accommodations could be made that would greatly assist them. And so I, I put that question out there to various people who have autism. I saw and what they, or that. Yeah, what, what would they do? And in several of the comments I got back like the how most autistic people prefer the identity first language, like I am autistic instead of he's a person with autism. That got brought up a lot. Gotcha. Uh, one of the other traits of autistic uh, people are, is that they need they enjoy rules and, and routines a, a good portion of them. So they like to know what the rules are, what is the expectations, what game are we going to play. They like it, it and some have issues with being taught a game yeah if that makes sense they have difficulty and i i am one of those people uh and i I think that got demonstrated at bgg once with uh, with captain (laughs) america with with with, with chris evans where we were discussing things and i said something about me yelling at gobby when he teaches a game that's why i teach most of the game you know sometimes when i'm teaching a game and you're not paying attention and i say look this is important and then later on you miss that rule, you get yelled at. And I've toned that down greatly. You have, you have.
1: But it's like there. Pro-
0: yeah, well, I still remember the look on your face the one time I, I yelled at you during Eclipse that was like completely <laughs> like I lost it. And as soon as I did, I was like, okay, I need to reel this in. I don't know why that was so important. But you did, I told you not to do that. And it's like, it's, not, it's a game. But that idea of there being a guideline, there being rules, that's very helpful because they now understand what is expected. And a lot of times, that that's great. Having a consistent time or day of the week when they're in that board gaming group, it, things don't change. Uh, and, and some have a greater tolerance than this than others. For instance, just the other day, Gabi was texting me and he's like, ah, oh, come over, I have anachrony set up. I'm like, oh, okay. And then halfway to his house, he says, ah, never mind, we're going to play Fields of Aural. I was seething with anger. <laughs>
1: And it was like,
0: yes, I was, I was planning to play Anachrony. Now, did I get there and throw a fit? No, because I wanted to play a game with Gabi. Yeah. And I don't care what it is, but my mind is telling me, you cheated me because you told me we this, and now we're doing this. Yeah. Some, autist peop- some autistic people simply cannot handle that change of routine. And so saying, we're going to do D&D tonight, or we're going to play this, and then they show up, and it's not that— is enough for them to have some executive function issues and not be able to control that because they were told this and this didn't happen.
1: Yeah. You've changed my expectation of what I, what I came for, which has motivated me for the whole day. Yeah. There's something to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I get that.
0: And that, that's, uh, that's something that seems so minor, minor to neurotypical people. And, and really a lot of that is, but, depending on that autistic person's uh, executive function level, that that can be an issue. Uh, Sentry input, lights being too bright, music too loud. Uh, Gobby often will do this thing where he'll he'll play music when we're playing a game. And if that music in my mind matches what I'm doing, I'm fine with
1: it. You're good with it, yeah.
0: If we're we're playing a Sherlock Holmes game and he's playing Sherlock music, I'm fine. We're playing some Viking game and he's got some Viking music in background, that's fine. But if we're just playing a game, and he's got like Cardi B or something, <laughs> I, I no, lose. that's a no. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't handle that.
1: Who is this Nikki N- N- Minaj? Yeah, I don't, person. I don't care.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I, it ain't going. It's it's not going with this pirate game. Now that's not going to bother
0: anybody else, but you can see again, someone with sensory issues and will will certainly not be able to concentrate. And be involved in the game in in that element. So these are all minor things, such as the lighting and the sounds and really what's what's going on in the room. How many people are going to be there and so forth, having expectations. Well, you say you say
1: minor, you say minor, but that's it's minor because to most people that's minor. But to other people that to to other people who are neurodiverse, if you want to use the term, that's not a minor thing at all. So it's just a different different value system. Yeah.
0: And, and it's it's true, so like overwhelmingly, every forum I went to and discussed this topic in the sounds, the smells, the mm-hmm. gr- how many people and the lights was like the first thing that gets thrown out, yeah, another one, of course, was the time to prepare being able to really know who is going to be there. a lot of social anxiety comes with some of these issues, and if you are thinking you're going to a place that has four people there and you're prepared to be around four people and there's six people, that right there is a problem. Uh, that I, Even if, because I was not prepared for Jeff to be here, why is Jeff here? That's not the deal. You said, we're going to have these people and Jeff showed up. Oh, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm, I should have prepared yeah. for
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. Some people think, oh, it's going to be better because, more people and you're thinking it's not better. It's not what it was supposed to be. So therefore it's not better. So yeah. Yeah. I've had that conversation before.
0: That idea of, of negotiation. I I think I'm the outlier in this. I enjoy negotiation games. The reason I enjoy having these language type games where I am trying to get you to do something is because that's within the confines of the game. I don't have a lot of issues with that because we are talking and discussing things. In the game, but anyways, it's like having a game where you're negotiating and you kind of know the structural, you know, the structural aspect of what you're what you're doing. Like people aren't just rambling on. No, you're, the, the talking is about the game. It's not while you're playing a game, someone's talking to you about Aldi's or something, you know <laughs> something like that. Like that, that 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 is it. There's something, and I guess that ties into what a lot of the other comments of people with autism. Are autistic people? I I'm not gonna be able to stop that. that is I know, never, I know, I know. You got I will the, never. <laughs> you got never the phrase, bro. <laughs> be able to recover from that. Uh, was that seemingly we play f- games because of the stimulation behind it? It's not necessarily just for fun. It's like it's it's something that's taken seriously, and a lot of people, of course, who are neurotypical. Will play a game,
1: quote unquote, just for fun.
0: Yes, and I think that's that's confusing. I find that confusing.
1: So, let me ask. so like, you know, Gabi plays games just for fun. I think a lot of people do it. Like, I I play them for the people, but people play them for fun. Like, they derive no, um, you know, it's nothing that they're learning. They're just it's they're passing the time in an entertainment way, right?
0: I think there's a dichotomy there. When we talk about entertainment, entertainment doesn't necessarily, when you say something's entertaining, are you saying that it's fun?
1: Uh, I would say that it's not, not fun. I don't know if that means anything. I don't. Yeah. I understand what you mean. It's just because it's entertaining doesn't necessarily mean it brings me joy or pleasure because you can watch TV and be entertaining. And, and yet you're just, you know, that's why they call it boob TV. You're not really doing anything. It doesn't bring you joy. So I could get that. Well, but I don't know. I think it's entertaining that it's stimulating. It stimulates you. And that stimulation is different per person. I think maybe that's where you get to there. So I know it sounds confusing as so I think about what I just said, but.
0: Well, no. That's to me. That's where I was going with it. Is mm-hmm. that there's a difference between fun and stimulating? Mm-hmm. So, people who play games for the fun of it. I mean, Happy Salmon can be fun. Yes, true. It's just. I mean, it's it's stupid fun. Yeah, increase your there blood other, pressure, but yeah, yeah, yeah. There's things that you do that other games that you're not particularly taking seriously that are fun, but a game that is stimulating. For instance, I. Like brass or other type of medium to heavyweight euros, where it's more of you're trying to figure out not just a puzzle, yeah. but you're trying to create something that is stimulating. And I think for that, that does something to, to the whatever pathways what, it Well, it's engaging. it's
1: engaging. It's engaging. No, so yeah, you're, you're, you're engaged now, which is normally what most people, I'm going to say normally, because I'm going to say in very broad terms, for those who are neurotypical, when you say, engaging they find that engaging conversation so they get that social part of it or they're engaged in other ways and that they don't um they don't appreciate how others potentially could be equally engaged if not more so when it comes to playing a board game uh and that that you know that stimulates all the areas of their brains unlike uh, other people so it makes sense to me
0: and that that is a thing that i I I, th- I see that that comes through in my taste of of various board games. Yeah, and th- that's where me and Gabi, although we like a lot of the same things, we tend to differ a lot. On, on, when we differ, there, there's this huge gap between our opinion of a game, and it tends to come from games where he enjoys having fun and just moving parts around and saying, "Oh, this is this is very light. It's very." Um, I can't remember the term that he used. And and I'll I'll touch on terms and and the literal terms of things here in just a moment. But he tends to enjoy games that are slightly on the lighter side that do require a certain amount of planning, but not too much. Whereas I will get bored with that quickly, not because I don't enjoy light games, but because whatever this game is doing, it's not challenging me enough. You know, I I can play checkers with somebody and be completely bored with it. And of course, you know they could beat me. I could beat them. It doesn't make me any difference. But it, the game itself disengages me because it doesn't do that thing that that gives me that that it, it doesn't give me decisions. I've, I've tried to narrow it down in the past. What what exactly it is about board, certain board games that really do stimulate? And to me, it's always does this game offer me a decision and often when i'm playing a game i will go well this is this is what i was doing this is a strategy that i was doing and how many times did the game say hold up now make a decision yeah oh yeah like or and was those decisions obvious Mm -hmm. or was that was the was it very easy for me to look and go okay this is obviously the
1: The the path to take, yeah, yeah.
0: This is the most optimal, or and like all the good games that I really enjoy. There's always a part where I'm I'm confronted with two or three decisions. They all it's like it's like one of those multiple choice questions that all three, you know, there's four answers. One of them's obviously wrong, but the other three all look right. Yeah, that's like okay. I am completely caught off by what I need to do here. All three of these look to be optimal. So what am I going to do? That and I I mean that that's that's really what I've boiled it down to. It's an interesting decision made in a game that allows me to go, okay, I'm now I've gone down this path, and then at some point in time even be able to look back and go, Man, if I just done this, I might be I might be able to have done this. You know, the idea of being able to basically relive the game next time you play it and do something else.
1: So, you know, it now that I was sitting here thinking about it, have y'all ever played on the podcast like a an epic two, three hour game and then reviewed it. I mean, like, like um, I don't know. You've done We've that, done right? We've done
0: several. We've done several okay. uh, bigger games. And really, I that tends to be where I see where a lot of people, well, where Gabi and I's opinion on certain games depart. Where it, it, it has come to where Gabi does enjoy, like, he doesn't want to think too awful much about the decisions in the game. And I really think that's why But yeah, I think that's where heavier games is where people tend to depart their opinions because some people do not want to play a game for over two hours or a game that is really intense to think about where autistic people tend – if the game – I think that would be an interesting statistic to see Yeah, of how many people – like the games that have been curated by autistic people to see is there an overlap – like what, which which games are there that are in their top 10 to see exactly and to be able to delve down and see what is it that is attractive. I highly suspect that there are going to be a lot of crossover on certain types of games.
1: But if, even when we were to go to BGG and you have people who are playing those epic games and you you, you see what they're playing and this is not a it's not, this is not seeing people on the surface, but it's, you can tell about a person, you can tell who a person is by what they play and how they act. So, forth, so, on. and I would say just talking to interacting with people, you get more of the analytical, uh, more of the, um, uh, individuals who have certain traits, whether it's autistic or not, uh, but they have certain traits that lend itself to that. That those qualities or any other number of things, uh even analytical or whatever you want to call it. So uh, 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 or just that sense of hyper focus um, and playing that. So not saying that everybody is that way is autistic, but you can kind of see it at BGG or, or when you go play games or when I see it. So it's kind of neat. There's this guy that has a review on, on um YouTube and he, you can tell that he's autistic. Um Not let me rephrase that. Because I can tell it's, it's a thing that I'm judging him. He's clearly autistic by how he presents himself. He, it's not something that you, you are quickly aware of it and you appreciate it because of how he does things. And so, um, but clearly autistic, but he, he's normally does, you know, heavy type things. And so I always appreciate. And I'm saying that and I'm, I need to look it up so I can actually tell you who that is, but.
0: Well, I, I do, too. I think what well, your point about certain games, I mean, like you go into the 18xx rooms where, you know, investing in train track building and route building. I mean, that rooms are full of CPAs and engineers. It's like obviously people who who are used to examining and taking in complex, uh, complex systems and algorithms and being able to go, OK, I like messing with this type of thing. Like they enjoy they enjoy looking at at these various charts or, or speculating on stocks or figuring out, okay, how do I get from point A to point B, these type of logistic logistical thinking people. And they play these types of games. And I mm-hmm. think that it just depends on the type of person and especially an autistic person. I, I assume there is, would be an amazing amount of crossover on yeah. the types of games enjoyed, and it would be interesting to break it down what exactly it is. Off the top of my head, I would assume that there wouldn't be a lot of not necessarily negotiation games or games that require a lot of social interaction between mm-hmm. the players, but games that have a fair amount of... here. Here is a clear defined objective, like maybe not necessarily multiple paths to victory, but some clear objectives. This is what you're trying to do. This is what you have. Take this, get it to here. Or take this and turn this into some sort of you know like engine building game. Yeah. You have these resources you're managing. This is this is the. Of course, when it comes to executive function skills, being not having to have a lot of a lot of memory about all these little small types of rules, mainly focusing on building something up. Mm-hmm. I think I think that like like I think engine building. If I had to just take a top off the top of my head, and I've often wondered about. Uh, like Magic the Gathering. I've never played Magic the Gathering, but all these players that are obsessed with it. Yeah. If there's not a level of, not just satisfaction because you're building a deck of cards, not during a game to play with, but also outside the game, you're collecting and organizing and sorting and thinking and strategizing well ahead of time. Yeah. And it's all about comboing cards and so forth. I would think that deck builders and things of that nature would really be something that would tune somebody who has that level, that, that kind of mindset in. And so anyways, th- that's something I wish somebody, if somebody out there knows how to do some Excel spreadsheets and is willing to, <laughs> to, to go around, I may just have to do that. <laughs> and I, ask a little I, bit. Do you know what? That's what I might do. I am I'm, comp- I'm going to start a thing. I'm going to try to narrow it down and I will report back my research about games that, are enjoyed by autistic people and try to really delve down into what that might be.
1: Hey, don't they, don't they encourage people who are autistic to do things like a board game? I mean, and and, and like things because they know you can build on it. I think that's the point.
0: I, I think probably the thing about board games that is so appealing is the idea that you're at a table with people and there's rules of what's going to take place in this game. And if you don't understand the rule, well, then obviously there's a rule book. It can be found. You know, if not, you can get on BGG and figure it out. I mean, it's the idea of being able to t- uh, take part in something that's social, but it's very structured, and there are no unspoken rules. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important, especially if you have someone who is very deficient in perception and language, and and not understanding exactly what the rules are. One of the things that was brought up in one of the groups just discussing some of the the pitfalls of being autistic and being in a uh, a group, it was it was talking about how like some just didn't understand that like it was wrong to get up and leave a game
1: in a. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember reading it. Yeah.
0: Like, it was just one of those things of, like, they didn't understand that's how detrimental that was. Well, they they were getting some sensory overload. They were overstimulated. And the person yeah. was just going, okay, I'm to a point. I'm done. And now I'm at that point. So I am done. And they would get up and they would leave. And, of course, their group was greatly irritated by this because you can't, can't do that. Like, who gets up during the middle of the board game and just, just books it out of there? Well it that really added a lot to the to the group when they understood what was taking place with this person. And so they kind of understood, you know, to make sure and to let this person know to make them feel comfortable that if they were being overstimulated for whatever reason, the sounds, noises, whatever lights, to kind of understand if you got if you gotta leave, you gotta leave.
1: You gotta do, you gotta do. Yeah.
0: And, and I think having that type of environment makes it very easy for people who are artistic to be able artistic people to be able to deal with that. And to well, just...
1: so so, do you think so? I have a uh, so. I think one of the things that people say is, well, a person is has is, is autistic or has autism, so we can accommodate them. What do you think about that when they said it? I have a I have a thing I feel a certain way about. But how do you feel about that?
0: I think it's important for all autistic people to advocate for themselves. I, I think we have gotten into now the time period where most of the world is is familiar with autism and spectrum disorders that there's nothing out of ordinary for a person to say look I'm I have these issues this is where my weak spots are to to be able to advocate for themselves and say this this these are the problems that I have I I can't handle loud noises I can't handle people touching me or or being too close like I need my space uh, you know whatever it might be and I do believe that and this is really my point about in board gaming groups, we, we all make accommodations for people to some small to uh, d- degree. I mean, to some level. Like when you when you're playing a game with somebody, even if they're a new board gamer, or an old board gamer, somebody who 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 doesn't you know doesn't understand the game, you're making accommodations. You're trying to teach them the, the game. Some people take longer. Some people talk on their phone. Whatever it is. To some level, you make accommodations for this person so that they can be included. It's just how much give can you give? And I I will speak, and this is the part where I wish Gabi was here because this would be the part. I'll just (laughs) chime in for him where I say that when you're dealing with somebody who has whatever it be, OCD, tics, autism, any type of disorder or spectrum disorder, whatever you want to call it, they can be annoying. Uh-huh. And so I know there are times where I annoy Gobby to the brink to where I've pushed him too far. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I, I don't. Too far.
1: Mean,
0: yeah, I know. And I don't mean to. Like just the other day, we were playing a game and I set the game up and I put everything right as it should have been. And for some reason, he would not put, he would not put his pieces in the ramekin that I provided for him. Uh-huh. And and you say said, said, you, you said, why, why are you putting it that way? <laughs> and I said, you need to you need to put your pieces in that ramekin. And he says, well, no, I, I like to have them like this. It's like, well, no, because you can't, you, you have to, these are the pool of guys that you have and you need to keep them all in the ramekin so that the guys outside the ramekin, you'll understand those are the guys you can use. He's like, well, no, I'm just going to keep them all. This is fine. I'll keep them right here. I said, you don't understand. If you don't put your, if you, you have to put them in that ramekin, I don't know if I can handle that. Like, like I, I will be watching you the entire game, like a hawk, like looking at you, like you, you've messed this up. You have to put, you just, you yeah. have to. It's not in order, not, yeah. And it, and it's like he's like, well, no, like I'm not going to do that. Why do you insist? And so that down the rabbit hole we go. Yeah, yeah. Whereas it would be just much better on my part to say, look, it, it, I'm, I'm having a bad day. I'm sorry. You, you don't have to do that. Like you don't have to do that. I'll, I'll try my best to mind my own business. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's, and I think that's also. I mean, we've talked a lot about accommodation. I mean, I mean, I wanted to hear your thoughts on accommodations, but I also have i have a i have a soapbox that I myself have will get up <laughs> on here in a little bit about that. But you 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 go ahead. Like so, yes, I I feel like if you can accommodate to to a certain degree, absolutely. But also realize, I'll, no, go ahead. Give give me your okay. Give your thought. I want to hear well, you. I
1: I think uh, you can. Uh... And you, with the definition used of accommodating, that we accommodate all people. That's true, different extents. I think one has to understand that when you accommodate a person, you get something in return. That's why you're accommodating, right? You're playing a game together. You get to experience that, that, um, camaraderie or whatever that you get from playing a board game in a group. So you, when you accommodate someone, normally we accommodate weaknesses. We, we always think in terms of weaknesses or things I have to deal with that I don't like. But, you know, you also accommodate strengths. So a person who has who may be a particularly um, to an extreme or more than uh, the typical person, uh, you accommodate that. Normally you get something back in return that's equally um, extreme on a positive side or not typical on the positive side as well. So that's kind of how I see it, because um uh, we can play some really intense games. I know you and Gabby do all the time. Some really intense things. Well, there's a reason why that's the case. Not. It may not be as intense when I play with other people. Um. So you have to you have to look at it that way. What what I'm accommodating, but I'm also receiving something as well. And from what I'm receiving, is that valuable enough to me to not be bothered by X, Y, and Z? Um. And that's kind of how I see. Uh, playing board games with anybody, but particularly if people are very particular a certain way. And, and you are very much right. And just to use our group as an example, there are certain things that I accommodate about Enrique all the time. Now he plays, he plays a board game with no, with no strategy, right? Well, no, no. If he plays it with a strategy that is unique and all his own, but, but it's so sometimes so direct. He's it's, it's brilliant because it works for him. But me, I'm over here thinking, that that just doesn't make any sense. You're not going to win that way. Or you, that's, you may win that way, but that's crazy to do it. That's, that's a lot of risk. Gabi plays in a way that is inherently built upon how am I going to derive the greatest sense of joy from this game? He makes decisions based on that. And to me, that's that's interesting. I wouldn't make those decisions. And then you, you know, you're my arch enemy. So I have to, you you're very, you're very, um. You know exactly where you're going. You make a strategy. You see it. You have a goal. You have a plan. And then I like that because then I can make a counter plan and I can counter suit it, which I like doing that. And so but then I can play off Gabi and play off, play off Enrique. So everybody has their everybody has their the things we accommodate them on. Yours may be unique to you or unique for people who are who are diverse, but but we still make that accommodation. So I agree with you hundred ten 10 percent. I don't really like that word accommodate because it, it it comes it comes across as if you're handicapped and I'm I'm giving you something. I'm not giving you anything. I'm receiving. That's why I don't like the word accommodate.
0: And and, I, and like your point on Enrique. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you have to accommodate with Enrique. But the reason that, you know, Enrique is enjoyable to be around because although yes, you do have these areas of like okay. I don't think a lot of people understand about Enrique. One, he has terrible eyesight. Like that's he is true. almost borderline blind. That's true. And there's a lot of little things that when you when he first started, we first kind of brought him into the group that we were like, listen, when someone's teaching a game, you don't don't mess with your phone. And you can't eat on you can't don't be spilling stuff, don't be eating here. You know, just just generalized stuff and it like it takes one conversation and then that's fine. Like he knows I gotta pay attention, gotta do this. And there's that that's that's part of it. And as to his strategy, I think Enrique he should he should be sold out as the best playtester for board games. I think. Because so. he he will break stuff in a game and his strategies are just I just wanted to see if I could cut all the yes.
1: wood. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and he literally does not care. It's like I just wanted to see, is it possible to do this thing? Whereas my mindset in each and every game is always the same. I'm I want to win. Well, that's the purpose how, of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How am I going to win this? And that I that word accommodate. So like in our board gaming group, we have an individual who has several various ticks and things of that nature.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I talk that, to him every day. Yeah
0: every day and and love him to death yeah yeah absolutely love him to death and it does not bother me to be around him in one bit at one at at, at all simply because i i know what to expect mm-hmm. and it's it's fine and i and i will throughout the day ask him are you doing all right is there you know at the times that we've been we've been playing or something going on i am i have problems in terms of moderating my Voice sometimes I'm I'm a little too loud and so it's like I I don't want to overstimulate him. Are you doing okay? Do you, I mean like that type of thing? Yeah. So it it is it is okay to feel like you're a accommodating person because you're just accepting. This guy is going to have some weird little ticks that some people are going to look at and go, what what you know that's that's annoying. And I think that that's as a whole, if you have somebody who is autistic in your group. That you you may have, I mean, there is a level of annoyance with everybody, but it can be sometimes when you have uh, someone who, like I said, is autistic that d- does stimming, like there's repetitive mm-hmm. motions with their hands or sounds that they make or ticks that they do that calm them, mm-hmm. that that are that to to neurotypical people can seem weird, mm-hmm. but. In actuality, this is just how they are burning off that excess energy. It is yeah. it's calming to them? Yeah, it's just how you and, process it. Yeah. yeah, it's like you know, this is just the way of of an autistic person to stimulate themselves and to be able to to take attention off their other, yeah, uh, yeah, to take attention off what else is going on in their mind and be able to concentrate. And so it calm. It's very calming, but yet at the same time on the outside people looking at this this can be something that is annoying and so the idea of accommodation is nice i do i do can see i see your point where it's a two-way street i also want to emphasize all as well is that what i have found myself is that it is a two-way street i as somebody who, well, I'm trying to think of how I, how I can word this so I don't come across as a complete and total. So my, so I'll just I, it's it's always easier for me to just repeat what my wife has kind of out. That's right. Out, or, That's right. It's G. not it's not so much to be able to have to put in my own words, but essentially, like how we deal with people, it's often from my standpoint. If you were to ask me, like my like gobby, I always use gobby as the as a key focal point here because that's who i play most of my board games with that's who mm-hmm. i interact with on the phone and so forth and most mm-hmm. and it's like yes i have a great relationship with gabi why wouldn't we we have a lot of fun mm-hmm. but then it's easy for somebody on the outside like my wife who sees us interacting go like, well you're kind of mean to Gabby sometimes <laughs> and i'm and i'm like what what do you mean i mean to gabi? Um. well like you know you yell at him a lot sometimes. I was like, "Well, I'm not yelling at him like I'm mad at him. I'm just I'm trying to get him to understand and sometimes he tries to talk over me, so I have to talk over him. But I'm not yelling. I'm not it's not mean. You get it you get it brought to your attention that your behavior sometimes is toxic. Like you don't fully you want to do things and have an environment a certain way because that's kind of what you think it should be and you end up putting your preferences off on other people and that can be of course not just irritating that could be very damaging to the relationship and really that's that's one of the difficult things in terms of being autistic is developing relationships and not
1: well i I see your point i think so here's the thing i'll say Uh, it's not a counterpoint it's a point that agrees with you is that take for example you and you and You know, I think Gabi is the the only time that Gabi yells at people and doesn't feel bad about it and doesn't have a sense of guilt over it or is concerned. Because I think everybody who knows Gabi knows he's 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 concerned about everything and he takes everything to heart, which is the good thing about God, because that's the good thing about him. But with you, he can do that. So there is an honesty. That's the thing about people who. People come in layers, right? Most people come in layers. And when you get to know a person, you have to unwrap those layers a little bit at a time. Sometimes you can do that quickly. Sometimes it's very slowly for most people. It's very slowly because we human beings don't trust each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It is a breath of fresh air when you can quickly bypass all that or quickly go through that and see how a person truly is. And so that's the difference. And when you get to the base level of a friendship. So Gabi fusses and argues with you. I've never seen him do that with his wife. In fact, I can't even anticipate him doing that with his wife, because if his wife is disappointed, he'll feel bad about it and he'll probably sulk and be very quiet and, you know, and, and, and whatever. But I think you're the only person in general speaking that he does that with because he has the freedom to do that with you, because how you take it is not how I would take it. And that's the great thing about that. So the dynamics of that relationship works, whereas you get this freedom that you can be yourself without the um idea of ruining something, you know, or, or or being toxic to a relationship. I mean Gabi can have the freedom that he can express himself knowing full well that you are who you are. And that's the great thing about that. So again, but see that's the play. That's that's the that's the recognizing the benefits of, of someone who is autistic or who has who has autism. Is that there's a, there's just a, um, uh, a clarity there uh, that sometimes, uh, I, I would appreciate. Same way with our friend. There's a clarity to our friendship. And when he calls me and we talk every day or every other day, and there's just no pretenses there. He says what he means. He means what he says. And I like that. And, uh, I, I can do that with people. I cannot do that with people, but I prefer. I think everybody has that preference to it. So. That's how I look at it. I, know, I understand that you do yell at Gabi sometimes. <laughs> well, make I, mean, I fell away, but it, well, he he's all right with that.
0: <laughs> well, I do. I I will agree with you. I do bring out the best in him.
1: Yes, you do. Um, yes, you do.
0: But there there has been, and and I have gotten it, board gaming with Gabi has really, in a lot of ways, helped me improve a lot.
1: Of course, yeah. And
0: just 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 socially and realizing, oh, this is this is how th- this, th- this how feels. This this, this this is what it's like to have to be friends with somebody and deal with this is irritating how do you get around this or various other uh, issues that might crop up it's like oh okay so this is this is this is how it goes i i I firmly remember the first time i ever saw gobby get angry and i and it was and i remember later like relaying this i was like i can't believe he yelled like why did he get so angry at this what happened And then looking back at it later, I like go and do as I always do. I report back to my wife and say, "So this is what happened." Gabby yelled, and she's like, "Well, what did you do?" It's like I didn't do anything. I was a complete and innocent bystander. <laughs> what, and then it was like he actually just completely messed up. Like I could, I was, I was shocked. I was like, "Well, what happened?" Well, he was supposed to teach a game, and it happened to be. I remember it was Mombasa. Uh-huh. It was a very you know, somewhat heavy game, Yeah, yeah. and he wanted to play it. And, of course, we come over, and I just naturally assumed he had learned it, that he was going to be able to do what I generally do, which is read the instructions, know how to play the game beforehand, show up, and have a good idea how to teach the game besides some few rules and be able to demonstrate, okay, this is how you play the game. And when I showed up, that's not what occurred. Instead, what we got was he had trouble setting the game up, He's got the rule book out. He's saying, I don't know. Maybe you do this. Maybe you do that. And I'm sitting here waiting to be taught because I th- assumed that's what was going to take place. Yeah. And during this process, of course, I it, I make my disdain known that I can't believe <laughs> that you would say, let's play a game, and you don't know the game. How could you – why would you do this? Why would you set a game up, then get the rule book out and be like, okay, and start trying – like, why would you – this is not how you do this, and of course, I'm sure I did not voice that in the most tactful way. But I'm here gaslighting him even more. Going, <laughs> I can't. How could you? Why would you not think ahead of time? Why wouldn't you do? And of course, by the time he gets angry, I'm like, Why is he yelling? Why is he? Mad? I'm just explaining. <laughs> why, why? And then so it's like I get, you know, I'm telling, telling my wife this. She's like, Yeah, you can't. That's not. You realize what you did there? Like you, you, you there's certain expectations that your of yours that was not met and thus you go on and start, you know, you're now pressuring him to be like, why why did you do this? Why did you do that? And so that's, that's you're harping on him. This is very irritating. You can't do that and expect there to be a good result. And then I remember firmly going back like a week later and we played Mombasa and I like sat down and was like, okay, just teach the game. (laughs) Do the best you can. I will pay attention and we'll just learn it as we go. And we did. And it was fine. And it was a great, it was it was a great experience. And it was yeah, really yeah. one of these things of, okay, so when Gabby says he's going to show you how to play a game, I need to
1: you, have you, a, you put yourself I, in a mode, yes.
0: Yeah, I need to put myself <laughs> in this mode of like, don't get angry at anything. If he teaches a rule wrong, there's nothing wrong with this. It's just a game. This does not count. This is just play testing. We're just messing around. Don't don't walk into this idea of I can't believe, and it's like, I'm devastated if I teach a game wrong or I forget a rule. It's like, it, it is a matter of like, there's no way this could have possibly happened. I've ruined the past two hours. And so there's this, there, there's things like that. And so like, t- to go back to your thought of accommodation, I do think that people, autistic people have to realize is that they we should try or do our best to accommodate as well. And I think that was one of the things that I myself personally have tried to work on, just knowing that social constructs for which we try to do our best to adhere to. And, well, I, and I think and that... be as open minded about that, and to and to do your best that you can, and know that sometimes you are at your limit, and to have to advocate for yourself at times to say, "Look, I know that you know, I know it's kind of a, it. a poor ta- It's poor taste to get up during a middle of the game and leave, or this is, but I'm really." At my worst right now, I'm I've tapped out. I've got to go, and I, I you know I'm sorry, I, or and, and actually be able to go back and to apologize and to understand that sometimes you you will you will mess up, like yeah. you, you will not I won't say mess up, but you will act in a way that will make people uncomfortable. And being able to go, yeah, it's having a bad day. This is what this is what took place, yeah. and that's a that's a horrifyingly difficult thing to admit because an autistic person is. They're not just admitting a it's, it, it it it's the thought that you have done something to uh, I can't think of quite how to, how I would word that it's like you've done something uh, you've done something not out of spite but out of self preservation yeah and for what and you have
1: – yeah I got you
0: and then and in doing so you have harmed somebody else you have made somebody else uncomfortable and it's like well yeah I'm sorry that I I'm you know I got super irritated. About this one thing, and I said this, and I know I sounded like I was mad at you, that type thing, but really, I was just, I was tired, you know, that, that. So there's a fine line. And so I think accommodations go both ways, and it's difficult,
1: but it is. is. And I think you got to have people who have the ability, and this is, this is not for people who have autism or autistic people. This is just life in general. You have to have people around you who can understand the difference between this is a moment that I can take personally. And this is just a moment. Doesn't matter. And you can you have to be able to differentiate that as a friend and as, uh, as a person you're playing with. And if and if everybody needs to have that, including people who are, who are or who have autism, um, needs to have that ability. But but board games themselves lend itself to that that structure It, it really is a safety zone because it, it because it provides you what you need, which is the boundaries of a social relationships a common goal people who want to play with you all these other things. And so it's, uh, you you shouldn't uh, I'm a firm believer in giving everybody their safe spots. And because that, that enables them to grow, which by extension enables me to grow. And if board games is it, man, board games is it. And you know, for other people, something else. So I'm all about that. That's why I say it's just, there's just so much of yes, two way street. Yes. Accommodate. Yes. All these other things, but, but um yeah, I, I love playing with people who are completely different than who I am. For whatever reason, um, I I get immense joy from that uh, of the differences. It, it it just it brings it brings me pleasure. That is what stimulates me. I enjoy it.
0: And I think that's really the point about all this that I was trying to make. Really about the idea that there are people out there who are trying to I don't want to say fit in, but that's essentially what's taking place. That are trying to engage in an activity with other with people who are neurotypical and they themselves are not. Yeah. And some of these little accommodations such as, you know, being very clear about what the rules are and not being completely put off by somebody who will be straightforward about what they need in terms of their accommodations or what what they will say that's that's going to be just some of the examples I was reading was like some of the inflexibility mm-hmm. of an autistic person they want to play this type of game or the same games over and over and over. I mean that would be Rather boring to some people. But at the same time, just knowing that these people out there do exist, there are, it's much more common than what y- you would think, especially now that there's are a lot of adults that are just now, you know, really, that weren't diagnosed in the past and are now finding out that they have this diagnosis. I, I, that about, are
1: dealing which, with this. Which, by the way, I think is the most fascinating thing is that you have people who, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, are learning that they have, which it should be clear. I mean, you know, nowadays we should be able to see it and understand it at a young age, even more so, but, um, you know, uh, within a certain time period, I should say, but it amazes me the amount of people, um, that I've read and heard about and saw uh, and seen that, um, later in life, they've been dealing with this for years, feeling like, you know, they don't fit in so forth and so on, which is understandable, but man, it's just a, A thing that I don't particularly like about it, but I'm glad that people are finding a home and they're gravitating toward this. That's the special. That's the thing I want to mention is that there are a few places a few things that people can do that they gravitate toward. And I think people are autistic do gravitate toward playing board games. I think board games are becoming more and more popular. I mean, that's just evident. Uh, it's obvious as society becomes more distant, which is actually horrible for a person who's autistic probably, uh, because it, it, it doesn't help them to grow if that's what they want to do uh, in certain ways. Board game is a safe zone. It's a safe haven. And so people who play board games who are, Neurotypical, we need to understand that and appreciate what that means. So uh and how special that is. And so I know it's hard to I don't know. Do you feel bad if if a person says, you know, I just can't I just can't play with this person. Does that make you feel bad? Does Do you feel as if that's an understandable thing or I mean, is it I know we say it's two way road, but should a person ever be just. I got to kick you out and you got to go. Or, or or do you make arrangements or what do you think
0: I have a very controversial view on this <laughs> okay so, all right uh, and and my controversial view is something that I have I have struggled with and so I know and this might be another podcast as a whole because people talk about being inclusive in board gaming or inclusive in activities and I I feel like that is obviously the route that that, that is obviously the positive route is to be willing to be welcoming and accommodating to, to people and to not make people feel uncomfortable. Uh, I always think back to something my dad used to say. He says the definition of a gentleman is somebody who makes people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so to do your best to try to make people as comfortable as possible. I do feel like that board gaming is a form of entertainment. It can be a form of a social life. It can be something that's almost therapeutic to some. Yep. And so to that degree, There may be times where there are just people that you have engaged with that are overstimulating, that are just for whatever reason. And I'm going, and I'm saying this on both sides, not just the side of an autistic person, a neurotypical person, that I could truly, if somebody that I game with were to say, you know what, I just, look, I don't prefer board gaming with you because you take it either too seriously or, just, I don't know, you make me feel uncomfortable. Of course, I could understand that. And it would not bother me one bit. The same is true in, for instance, something that occurred at a, at a board game convention actually once. Uh, I think you were there at the time. We played a board game with some people. That it really just... It, they, that this, I, 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 this one person that we were playing with grated on my nerves. Mm-hmm. I could not quite put my fingers on it. Mm-hmm. And when we were done, it was like, I'm glad everybody enjoyed it. I enjoyed the game. It was a great game. But this person irritated the fire out of me and I could not quite figure out why. And then as soon as the game was over, I took a second and i like, I just don't know if I could play another game. It's like everything I said to this person was confrontational. Like they took it confrontational. Yeah. And I was like, maybe that's me. For whatever reason, this isn't working out. And I just like, kindly i think we separated after that and oh yeah you know fun playing with you again and of course you were you were shaking hands and being overly nice with them (laughs) and i was sitting there at the same time thinking i i I don't know if i could do this again like i i hope i didn't give off the air of i hate this i really enjoyed the game i just did not like this person that every move i made there was a snarky something said and then something back and it was like I I I don't know. For whatever reason, it was a terrible experience in that route. And I thought if this person was in my board gaming group, would I be able that would suck the joy out of the game for me. Of course. About, yeah. To be honest. And so you have two options in these areas is that you commit to doing the best that you can of saying I'll play a board game with anybody at least once or twice. And that there's some people that personality wise, it's going to be hard for me to deal with. But yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll stick it out there. And but then realize is that this is a form of entertainment. This is a social thing. This can be therapeutic. And if this person is really harming this to a large degree, and this is my time, you you have to draw a line at some at, at some point unfortunately in board gaming a lot of times the person you're gaming with affects your enjoyment of the game and you really have to ask yourself where's my line and i I, honestly it would not bother me if someone were to tell me like i don't i I don't know if i can stand being around you but i i see that being a a very devastating thing Mm -hmm. to somebody who is utilizing a board game group as a social life and that really going back to the start of this where I was talked about Dan Hughes and Ben Maddox, like mm-hmm. Dan talking about having to ask someone to leave a group or not invite them back. He was lamenting about how this person, you know, that was like perhaps was their only source of of, of just contact with people, of mm-hmm. how they actually integrated. And that is a sad thing. And I really think that this is what I'm trying to bring out is that for us of, on the autistic side, to be able to advocate our, for ourselves and to do our best to be as less rigid as we can and to be able to engage in an activity that is, of course, quite enjoyable and it does provide some scaffolding for a social life, it's a great thing. But we also have to realize that it's going to take it takes some effort, and it, it is. It, it's one of those things that even – there comes to a point where it's not just accommodating. You're just appeasing somebody. Yeah. And, and so we have to put in the effort, but at the same time, there are a lot of people who are neurotypical that can very easily understand that there are some issues that perhaps they could, they could overlook or that they could accommodate to and understand that this is why this person is this way or, or whatever, whether it be keeping their board game group to a much smaller size, communicating. That was another thing that was brought up was like, yeah. you know, Don't how many make it. people are coming over. There's like four or five people coming over and then you get – You know, you show up and there's eight or nine. yeah, Or, you know, various things like that. Music, noise, the game you're playing, whatever it might be. There are specific things that can be seemingly very minor to the neurotypical person, but very, very meaningful to a neurodiverse person. Yeah. So just with a little tweaking on both sides, you could really have what I think a lot of people talk quite a lot about in board gaming, this inclusiveness, where people of all types... Can get together and have a fine time without, uh, you know, without there being a lot of issues. Or you could just um, find you an overweight Chilean that you could enter into a. A rather toxic relationship with that at times you you yell at each other until you you decide perhaps you know what the world needs? A podcast.
1: A podcast about it. Yeah.
0: Where where I will bring up a very specific word or phrase, then bust out the dictionary trying to explain to him why he doesn't understand said word or phrase. And then three days later still be discussing that. And then finally where my wife says, you know what? This is not important. Like nobody uses quintessential that way. Like I know you know you're right. Just, you have to let that go. And so I, yeah. So, so that's, that's the other option.
1: Well, so you got this thing. You got, you can be, uh, equitable, which you should be equitable to everybody and give everybody a chance. And I, I agree with what you're saying. It's interesting because I guess I've learned in life, um, uh, not that old, I guess, but like the definition of a word is very important to me. Like I know what quintessential means and the, the connotation to it. And 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 I'm good with that. But I also understand, too, that 98 percent of people just don't care. And so so I think I care with those who care about it and with those who don't. And I've especially learned the last few years is just to, you know, let that flow off my back and people say stuff. And my wife is I think now is probably the only person who on a regular basis who can dictate or who can discern my facial features when someone says a word that. Is they're not using it correctly, including myself. Sometimes I'll say a word and I'll go, she'll, she'll know. So anyway, the point that I'm trying to make in that is when you have people who are autistic or who are different for whatever reason, uh, board gaming is such a, a non-physical. That's the thing that the common denominator requires no, no particularly special skill set. Like, you don't have to be an athlete, you don't have to be a runner, you don't have to, you know, go to a bar, you don't have to do none, any of that, those things that are, that can be difficult to do because you don't have that skill set. You can sit around a table and play a board game. You know, and that's so, that's so, it's such a, it's that, that, Accommodates all people of all different types, to use that word, and I think that one has to recognize the precious value that that has. So when you run across people who are different, embrace that as much as you can. I think one should, and then if there is, um, you know, be equitable. And sometimes if things can push, come down the shove, person may not be able to be part of your group. Uh, still, the the gentlemanly thing to do is to, if they can't be a part of your group, then maybe accommodate them and set them up with another group, or maybe you know. Be a part of a smaller group. Whatever you need to do. You're going to derive great joy from it. It's not going to take away from your life. It only add to it. So I, that's, that's kind of what I think. And, and sometimes to recognize this, just because a person's autistic doesn't mean that they're, um, uh, who they are, uh, can be excused. There are people who are just idiots who are of all different stripes and colors and all different abilities and non-abilities. Sometimes we're just jerks. And so you got to be able to discern uh, um, those two things, uh, and it takes a little practice. But that, that's what I think. You just got to make sure you be aware of that.
0: the The idea of inclusiveness in board gaming always irritates me because people talk an awful lot about inclusiveness in this hobby for some reason, but really, in- inclusiveness requires you to not just make changes about yourself but to be able to go out and to try to introduce other people into the hobby. Exactly. And and not be a gatekeeper or somebody who is who is discouraging others from, you know, being a part of of the hobby. And that requires some finesse.
1: That, that requires some finesse, yes.
0: A- and sometimes it's easier to keep people who are already in the hobby than to uh, try <laughs> to attract new ones. And so you know, we we have this you know, a large group of people that are entering into the board gaming, you know, entering into the hobby as a whole. Yep. And the more people that are in it, the more different types, the more different varieties of of just whatever issues that they may come with. And I think that that, being able to really see where your comfort zone is and how, how wide your ring of friends can actually be yep. is interesting. And so there is, I, I find it very fascinating that this podcast from the various amounts of listeners that we have, as you slowly meet people, I've often wondered to myself, like how many of these people would really enjoy playing a board game with me? Like, <laughs> would it be like, would it be, it's like one of those things of like, would it be really off putting? What is somebody looking forward to when they are board gaming? Is it somebody, is it a, is it a competition I guess I'm trying to say, it's almost like, what, what you know, when you, like, I feel like I'm asking somebody, like,
1: what do you look for? Yeah, oh, like, uh, like, it,
0: yeah, like yeah. what you look for in somebody you're on. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. What attracts you to them?
0: <laughs> yeah, what, 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 yeah, like, what is the thing of what, what, like, and I, 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 yeah, it's 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 that thought process of like, who do you really enjoy spending your time with? And that's really the most precious thing you have is your time. That's true. And so, and anyways, well, speaking of which, I've tied up too much of your time. That's sorry, right, Bubba, for jumping on because you, yeah, this was something that I felt the need to do and have been obsessed with. And unfortunately, uh, I'm glad I'm partially glad, but Gobby wasn't on here because I don't know he, he would have been. Either super emotional or super <laughs> excited or very quiet <laughs> in the background. So I'm glad he got to. I'm glad he got to do his other interview. He did
1: well, that other interview. If, if you use him to edit it, he'll edit this. out. He'll edit some stuff out, and then he'll probably put his voice in a couple times.
0: No, no, yeah. no. I'm going to edit this myself. <laughs> edit this I'm right. going to edit this myself. <laughs> the, the, the halfway concludes. So of course, I hope this has kind of brought some, um, just some some insight into this. There, of course, there's various. Various places where you can learn more about autism, of course, it's uh, just encouraging everybody to kind of kind of know a little bit more about it, how it might be affecting your board gaming group or even people that you might interact with on in your daily life or even at board game conventions To kind of keep that in mind. I would be, of course, again, I've apologized already. Beforehand, I'll do it again if I misspoke half a dozen times. That's fine. Go. Please send your hate mail to boardgamesnobs at Obviously, if you are neurodiverse, or whatever terminology you'd like to use, I would love to get an email from you, uh, simply because I like this idea of being able to compile the games that seem to appeal to people who are on the spectrum. I'll use another poor term. So if you would, (laughs) send me an email, and kind of uh, what got you into the hobby of board gaming, what you find interesting about it, and really maybe your top ten. Send me your top ten. I'd love to look at the top ten how long you've been in the hobby and how you got into it in your top ten, and be able to figure out exactly, you know, really boil down what you think it is that you like about board gaming. I'd be fascinated to compile that and just to kind of see
1: uh, where that comes out at. Hey, I would I'd be tell. interested in seeing if if people who are neurodiverse, if how do how do they feel that their autism or or how they are has been affected by board gaming over a period of time. I'm saying, how has it supported? That'd be a neat thing to know too, because everybody's different. I
0: have have thought of, and I do not have the the executive function or the willpower to do it, but I have often wondered what one board game designers that are that are autistic, if there are any, and two, what that would look like, for for instance, to have. You know, primarily a team or a pair of autistic designers that make board games Mm -hmm. to see exactly what that would look like, what what type of mechanics that would come from. Like, it would be interesting to see, to have some sort of, I know occasionally they do, um, A reason I say this, I see it on Twitter every once in a while, where they'll have these design groups where they're like, "We're, we're helping, you know, women to, you know, women designers. Like, there's not that many women who are in the uh, th- that are designers? They're, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. I mean there's several there's several notable ones. Yeah, but but in terms of the demographics, it's really you know it's really lopsided. Mm-hmm. So I'm like we're we, you know we're trying to feature women designers. So if you have a design come forward, and we'll, we'll try to help you make your game you know come alive. And there's things of that nature like uh, people of color and things of that nature that that are not represented well in the design. And so they're like, okay, we're trying to spotlight these people and see exactly what type of games are coming up with. I would be fascinated to yeah. see just, one, how many designers that there are that are autistic. And also what a game, certain, uh, you know, a subset of games designed purely by autistic people, what that would be like. Anyway, yeah, that's just a cool. thought process. Seam on or somebody get on that.
1: Do yeah, a yeah. thing. Do a thing on it. Let's see, see what happens. That'd Do a neat. thing.
0: Yeah. That would be an, That would be an interesting concept. Anyways, so that's us. We appreciate you. This yeah, is yeah. a weird this was a weird week. Uh I'm glad the quintessential episode is over with, the 150. I don't know this is not going to be 151. This is going to be 150.1. <laughs> yeah, there, you go. And, there uh, you go. This is the this is the unessential edition. That's unessential edition. Yes. Yeah. Since Feel free to skip over it. Since you and I are the only ones that know what quintessential means. <laughs> uh, and uh, and, who and, uh, and who cares? And who cares? And who cares? <laughs> Apparently not that many. Not that many. But we, I have let that go. That is Good. water under the bridge. That is a great deal. Okay. So there's that. And hopefully next week we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming.
1: There you go. Hopefully so. All right. Miss you guys. I'll take it. All right. See you later.